This is the new Metro New York market. Hey everybody, Zach Romanoff here, the brand advocate from Omni Food Sales. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a few months since we posted last. I think it was in uh, early July that we posted my last talk at the Altios International speech to a group or a delegation of companies from the UK. That was a lot of fun. Um, and I did mention when posting that that I would not be able to post regularly because I spend a lot of time in the trenches. I know a lot of people see what I do on on LinkedIn and other social media and they say, Zach, it's so cool. You're around doing so much fun things. And yeah, that is true, but people don't see the time spent in the bunkers. They don't see the time spent on the phone, taking notes, in planning meetings, following up, driving to presentations, to meetings. There's a lot of time in between. And this summer, where traditionally a lot of people kind of slow down, things have sped up at Omni Food Sales, both internally and externally. So a lot has gone on. Just to give you a quick synopsis of what has gone on, Omni was awarded the Retail Partner of the Year Award from one of our faster growing principles. It was such an honor. I'm so proud of my team that we won this because it's really a testament to everyone at Omni Food Sales from, from retail to business managers to customer service. So we were really uh, so happy at that. A trip was involved and multiple members from Omni were invited on a trip. We had a great time. Everything was first class. I was just reminded that that some principals really understand how to include their brand advocates as part of their family. It's just, it's an investment that's worthwhile, that pays dividends and helps align everyone and get everyone sent onto the same page so that, you know, six months from that meeting, everyone knows kind of what the goals are. So I was really proud of my team for that. That was awesome. Oh, this was really cool. Also, um, an opportunity came up where I got to throw out the first pitch at one of the New York Mets games at City Field. It was a lot of fun. Um, I did go there, and what was really cool is got to have my wife and son come there. It was my son's first baseball game, seeing his dad throw out the first pitch. It was such an honor. It was so cool. Um, and the Mets had a sellout crowd, and the stadium was bumping. Um, so that was a lot of fun, too, and that was a, a work-related uh, you know, function that, that came about. Um, what else? I ran in the Spartan race. You may notice some of these uh, trophies or medals behind. These are from previous Spartan races. I try to, to run at least one per year. I've been doing them for about the last five years. They're a lot of fun for me. Sometimes I run them with friends from the food industry. Um, other times not. I love Spartan races for a number of reasons. The first one is you're just kind of away from everything. With the food industry and all of my colleagues in the food industry, you know this, we are always on. That phone's always connected. We're always accessible to our principals, to our customers, to the retailer, to people in stores. The Spartan race is that one Saturday for four hours where it's just me running up and down a mountain with some close friends and, and we're going through this challenge together. I also love the Spartan race because there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of goodwill. The rule for the Spartan race is you help your fellow race mate out. You, you help strangers out. For example, a buddy of mine was running. He cut his finger open on a rock. 
someone noticed this at the next obstacle, and the woman said, hey, hey, let me show you. I got a Band-Aid. Let me help you. And, you know, just randomly stopped, gave him one of her Band-Aids and so that he could go on and not have to come off the race to go to get, get a first aid kit. So I love the Spartan uh, race for a number of reasons, and uh, I'll definitely look to do another one in 2020, and I'll probably share that if other people are looking to join. I'm always looking for uh, dedicated souls that are okay for the punishment of eight-plus miles of adrenaline running. Um, it's a lot of fun. All right. Um, also, I have to mention, one of my earliest mentors retired from Omni Food Sales. It's really been bittersweet for me because I looked up to this guy a lot. He mentored me from my earliest days and helped, helped mentor me along with my father and a few others to get me to the point where I'm at as a leader. It's really from a, getting to observe someone like him for the 10 plus years that I have. Um, he was a great guy, had an easygoing personality, was loved by all, just, just people enjoyed spending time with him. He never said a bad word about anybody else. Um, mentors are so important. All right, for, for all my colleagues out there in the food industry, mentors are vital. And there's a lot of you know pressure and talk about people just trying to become a leader, an entrepreneur on their own and, and achieving success on their own. It's, it's really difficult to do. I mean, I'm standing in front of you telling you that I'm the product of mentors. I had great mentors. And yes, it's up to you to take what the mentors show you and then make it your own. Um, but to, you know, to people in leadership positions, I'd say be a mentor and pay it forward. If someone helped you, if someone helped guide you and showed you how to do things a little bit better and they helped your learning curve maybe get a little bit tighter, avoid certain mistakes or pitfalls by learning from them, you know, let those people know about it. Give them, give them the flowers while they can still smell them. I'm all for that. Let people know that they've had a positive impact on you and then pay it forward. Pay it forward to the next generation. That's what it's all about. Um, so yes, this gentleman was a legend, is a legend in the food industry and, um, and he will be dearly missed. Um, the Markham event, that's what we're about to show. So uh, the Markham Food and Beverage Summit was held a few weeks ago in Manhattan. I was part of a panel. We talked about trends in the food industry. There were some other really uh, established peers of mine in the food industry, food and beverage. So it was really cool to be on a panel with them. This was probably the largest audience that I've spoken in front of. There was about 250 people in the room. So I was really excited to be sharing ideas and thoughts with that many people. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. I really could have gone in depth a lot more on each of the topics, but it's kind of round robin style. So everyone gets a few minutes to kind of give their ideas. So this is not as long as the previous talks that you've seen me give, but we, we do still share some really cool insights and trends about the future. We do mention the Amazon Go stores. There's one that's opened up in Manhattan. And I'm sure you've heard headlines that there's more Amazon supermarkets uh, slated to open up in the coming months. We talked about CBD. We talked about alternative or plant proteins and the future of that. Uh, we talked about supply chain. We talked about technology. And um, what else? Well, you'll have to check it out and see. So I hope you enjoyed the talk. It was a lot of fun doing it. Um, I did hang around afterwards and answered 
any question that came about. There were, there were a good number of people that stuck around to ask me and to follow up and talk, and I've continued those talks. Um, I love helping other people and just talking and hearing other people's stories. So this was a really fun experience. And someone actually saw me speak at that event and then invited me to speak at the ROI New Jersey Food and Beverage Solution Summit. And that's coming up real soon. So we'll also record that and we'll post that. I'll be on the technology summit, uh, the technology panel, not summit, technology panel. And uh, we'll have a lot of great things to talk about technology. I mean, if there's one thing that's affecting the food industry right now, it is technology in a big, major way. So I'm really glad to be involved in these kinds of talks. Um, Rachel, anything else that I missed the last couple months? I think that's everything I can think of. Okay. We had some vacations mixed in there too, right? Yeah, yeah, summer. So we did take advantage of summer. Um, Rachel's been doing a great job. We, we've added some new team members to the team here, and they've all onboarded um, successfully and productively, and, and Rachel's helped out a lot with that. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the Markham talk, and then I hope you can check out the ROI Food Summit talk. And lastly, um, I have received some emails, some long, some short, from people that watched the UK Santander Altios speech that I made, and I got so much feedback. I got productive criticism on things I can do better or ways I could have answered things, comments about the questions that were asked, and, um, and just overall goodwill and go overall feedback and praise. I thank you all so much. Thank you all so much. Anyone that just gives a like, comment, email, feedback, I appreciate it so much doing this. There's a lot of people that watch these talks and look at the posts, but not a lot of people that give all that kind of feedback. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to let me know what you thought. And to anybody else out there listening, please share me your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. To all the food brands out there that are not happy with their current representation, Call Omni Food Sales. Call me. Call us. We're a growing company. We want to be the biggest and best in this marketplace, and that requires working with the biggest and the best brands. So check us out. Check out our website, OmniFS.com. We're active on all social sites, and ask us the questions. Give us an interview and ask us why we're the best person to partner with you. So with that being said, thanks so much for checking out. Remember, not all days are created equal. Enjoy. I'll see you later. Once again, thank you all for coming. Uh, to give you a little, little bit of lay of the land, uh, we'll speak for about a half hour to Q&A, but if anybody has any questions as we're going along, feel free. You can raise your hand. Uh, but we will allow 10 or 15 minutes at the end for Q&A open. But if somebody has an open, a big desire on how we speak about it, raise a question right then. Raise your hand and um, we'll talk to you and we'll let you ask a question. And again, thank you all for coming. So, before we get started, why don't we take a few minutes, if, you'll, if you don't mind, tell us about yourself, who you are, about your company, what you do. Good evening. I'm Zach Romanoff. I'm the president of Omni Food Sales. Omni's been around for 27 years. It was founded by my father, who uh, founded Omni off the heels of a food distributor. So, by and large, it's, it's, I've known it since birth. My father was pioneering routes throughout the five boroughs and beyond and developed really strong relationships with large chain supermarkets 
and also with the independent-owned supermarkets. Um, this is the most ethnically diverse part of the country. There's really no other marketplace in the country that's even similar to what's going on here. So our family has a, a um, an expertise in the diversity that goes on here, whether it's Dominican, Cuban, Korean, Italian, whatever it may be. So there's a strong base in that. I My earliest job since I was six, eight years old were getting up at three o'clock in the morning, working in a refrigerated warehouse, picking orders, throwing them on pallets, loading up trucks, making truck deliveries as a driver's assistant. Um, laborious, hard jobs that uh, I'm thankful and they really taught me a strong work ethic. And from there, began working full-time at Omni Food Sales. Well, worked outside of Omni for a few years, um, outside the food industry altogether. And that was probably the best thing I could have done because eating dirt outside of a family business um, gave me a real appreciation for the opportunity that, I've, that I have at Omni Food Sales. So I had some experience outside, came back in, and then learned the ropes in all the three divisions of Omni Food Sales, which there's a, a retail division. So I was a retail rep. I had a, um, a geography of stores that I hit. So I went and spoke to meat managers, deli managers, store managers, got feedback about products, sold products in, found out about seasonality, about what makes products stick, what's important to stores, and then relay that information back to our principals, our partners. Worked in the office, back end of the business, which is customer service, which is confirming orders and delivery times and, and minimums and all the different I's and T's that make the business go, so to speak. And then as a business manager, calling on the 30 plus supermarket end users that are in the Metro New York marketplace. So I've called on every account, um, worked my way up, and as I came up the ranks, I, uh, I had some great mentors along the way. In addition to my father, there were a few other guys that had been in the industry for a long time, whether they came from other retailers, distributors, or brokers themselves, and they imparted a lot of wisdom on me. Um, along the way, about three years ago, um, I decided that you know new business is one of the hardest tasks that I have. How do you generate new clients, new people to represent, new brands to partner with? And the old ways were kind of drying up. They're just not yielding a lot of success. So three years ago, I had the idea of hiring a film crew and making a short video about what Omni does in New York. And over the course of three days in the winter, just me and two other guys, we drove around and we hit six states, all the end users, all the stores, and we made a video. It's called What is the Network? It's on YouTube. Uh, it's also on the Omni website. So within three months of putting that video out, Omni was recruited and signed by three new principals. And that led to a succession of opportunities that came our way, which we've been riding ever since. The uh, Korean government reached out and asked me to give a speech to them about doing business in the U.S. market to a group of 50 of the largest food exporters from Korea. And a lot of them also wanted to work with Omni afterwards. There were opportunities. Um, that led to iHeartRadio reached out. They're the parent company of Z100 and Power 105.1 and other famous stations. They wanted to put out branded content together. We weren't able to come to terms on a deal, but it was still a great experience. And um, more recently, the, uh, the UK government reached out and asked me to give a speech to food exporters from their country about how to do business here. 
So there's a lot of opportunities. Omni's awareness has risen. Um, it's helped strengthen our relationships with our current principals. It's given us a lot of new opportunities with some of the biggest and best brands in the country and the world, and uh, it's made our team a lot better. So that's a, uh, I don't know how I'm doing on time, if that's... We're okay. Um, thank you for that. So, you know, the idea tonight is trends, tips, strategies. So from a, a high level, I'm sure we'll cover some of the topics that we're going to talk about, but can you each talk a little bit about some of the trends that you're seeing in your business or industry right now? As far as the supermarket landscape goes, these are really interesting times. There's been more change in the last five years than there's been in the last 25 years. So for my father and his generation, there was a way of doing business that was accepted. You kind of got to go around and around and around doing the same thing. Whereas now, the games, I mean, we're in for a ride. There's so much competition going on right now. Everyone knows about the Amazon Whole Foods acquisition. That kind of shook the industry at its core when that partnership started not too long ago. Now in Manhattan, there are the Amazon Go stores. You know, you just literally open up your phone, walk through, take a bunch of things, go out. No stopping, no talking, no register. You know, um, that, that's something, that's on a convenience level. Everyone's kind of watching, you know, what's going to happen because Amazon has so much money. They can afford to spend a lot of money and make mistakes as long as they get one idea right, then they can build on that and build on that and build on that. So everyone's watching, and I think that we're going to see them come out with these convenience-type convenience type stores. Um, we're going to see them nationwide. We're going to see a lot of stores popping up with this model. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that on a larger supermarket scale level, just because there's so much volume uh, involved in it. There's thousands of items and so many transactions that go through. Additionally, uh, the government, minimum wage, that's put a lot of change on things, especially here in New York, where it's $15 minimum wage now. And believe it or not, there were a lot of retailers that had significant amounts of workers that were making not only less than that, but far less than that. So if a supervisor was making $15 an hour, now your bottom worker is making $15 an hour. It's basically funneled the entire scale up. And where does that come from? That's coming from the owner's bottom line. So there's that. There's other regulations about work, about environmental, about sustainability um, that are all coming and affecting supermarket owners' decisions. And it's no coincidence, coincidence that you saw Two staple supermarkets go out of business this year. You saw King Cullen go out, sold out to Oddwell Stop and Shop, and you saw Best Markets also go out, sold out to Lidl. So you've got an international player, Lidl, that's got thousands of locations across the world, and they're known for coming in to be a, a liquidator, and they're coming in this market. And the rumors behind them are they're coming in with hundreds of stores, not just 20 or 30. So you've got other international players like Aldi that's in here. You've got your traditional supermarket retailers. You've got online, you've got meal delivery replacement. You've got home delivery. There are a lot of options facing people and retailers that were really not really um, either on top of the business, investing in the business, or preparing for a rainy day are going to continue to fall. So you're going to see more retailer consolidation in the next couple of years. Retailers that had a lot of overhead and were not uh, efficient with their funds. The strong will survive and the strong will get stronger. 
So I think that's a good thing. And for all the talk about online sales and online is the way of the future and it's taken over, it's still less than 3% of overall total supermarkets there. And the majority of that percentage is on items like paper towel and water and tissue and things like that that are not as much uh, brand focused like, like the foods that we eat. So even if that continues to grow at a fast rate, it's still not a significant piece of the overall supermarket landscape. So that's a big thing to watch. Um, also, transparency, claims, specialty products. There's the specialty niche is really what's seeing the most growth in supermarkets. And that's what you're going to see to continue to grow. All these shows here, like Fancy Food Show, Expo West, and Expo East, I mean, there's a lot of niche products that are becoming mainstream. You're seeing that more and more in the news, and that's going to continue to grow because these companies are transparent about what goes into their products. That's what consumers want. You know, the days of not reading the Nutrifacts, not reading the sugar and the calories, and you can't pronounce half the ingredients on there, you know, the parents nowadays, the millennials that are now raising their kids and raising families and becoming the households of influence in this country are going to change the buying habits by and large. And food manufacturers are getting ready for that now. Thank you. You know, one of the things that we hear a lot now from the, the food and garbage companies is the effect that the Food Safety and Modernization Act is having on businesses. Um, so, can you talk a little bit, all three of as how much is affecting your business or industry right now? The recalls have the power to put million and billion dollar businesses out of business like, fast. So, I mean, I've seen it happen in a lot of protein companies that are selling nationwide. If they have a recall for a product that was consumed three months ago by someone in Arizona, you've got literally customers from around the country demanding to know when it was made, what it was made, and you've got widespread panic. And you see on the news, you know, just it can influence an entire industry, not just the brand, the whole industry. You know, talk about salmonella and other foodborne illnesses. So people demand to know when the product was made. Um, everything, it just has to, it has to be. It's an investment that must be made by food companies. There's no, there's no way around it. Well, Zach, one of the other things that uh, we talked earlier, but one of the things that you see out there, all plant-based meats and meatless meat and all these other terms that are out there, the investment activity. You talk about what you're seeing out there that you now investment activity and about the meatless meat. Sure. Well, has anyone out here bought stock in Beyond Meat? <laughs> I was hoping to see one of them. Well, yeah, it was like the largest IPO in the last 20 years. So Beyond Meat has made it cool to be plant-based. That product has been in stores for the last few years, and the demand for it has been mixed. Um, it's, a, it's a pricey product. Listen, it's going to be really interesting. That IPO is so big, and growth in supermarkets has all been towards specialty. This falls in that niche. So you now have the attention of the biggest brands with billion-dollar budgets that saw this IPO and saw what happened. And you're seeing the biggest players in the game, protein world, are now getting into this. Everyone's coming with their own alternative protein line, and retailers are going to be—they're going to have their choice on who they want to go with. I mean, I know Beyond Meat had a partnership with Tyson Foods, the largest poultry company in the world, and then that partnership kind of soured, and now Tyson's come out with their one. So Beyond Meat had you know, a lot of buzz, and they raised a lot of capital, but 
they still don't have as much capital as the guys that are coming in now that have expertise, that have the wherewithal, that have the production facilities, the sales, everything that's been in place for the last hundred years. So if you want to see a ride, watch the next five to ten years on this planet because everyone's going to come in, they're going to drive down the cost, and consumers, I mean, the demand is there, but I mean, by and large, if you go into supermarkets, the product is really supposed to be sold fresh, and 50-50, you'll see it wind up in the freezer because it's not going to sell before it expires, so it gets stuck in the freezer. So the demand is not overwhelming, but it's coming. It is coming. It's coming. pressure. I agree. It is coming. And I like how I feel after I eat too. And I feel lighter after eating the, the burger. And it tastes good. Where I see it really booming is food service. When you go to restaurants and um, obviously Dunkin' Donuts, Burger King, Burger King, Subway, all these places now have a plant-based. And that's a big deal. Those guys are rolling out and talking thousands of locations at a time. And that consumption is probably bigger than the retail side right now. And it might be like that for the foreseeable future. And in line with that, you know, um, the people or who cater to you know, everybody talks about the millennials these days and how they're affecting the business and how you market and operate and how do you retain people and keep everybody happy. You know, it's a loaded question. It could probably be a full day when we talk about the millennials. But can you each talk a little bit about the effect the millennials are having on your business, uh, how you're operating, how you're marketing? I just want to say I'm against the use of these terms for age programs, baby boomers, millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. I just feel like it's an opportunity for the older generation to kind of shit on the generation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happened to me, like millennials were considered the me generation. And now it's like the whatever, the children are 21 year olds now. X, Y, Z. Everyone's saying the Z's are locked on their phones and they don't know how to talk to people. But it's like so close-minded to categorize a group of millions of people with one term. So anyway, I just want to shout out. How do I feel? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But in each cohort, there's a group that's on each end of the spectrum. But millennials, I mean, Millennials want transparency. I mean, at Omni Food Sales, our whole, I had to retool our whole team. I mean, my father's baby boomer team was used to doing things a certain way, and they retired, and that was their way, and now there's a different way. Millennials want transparency. They want to be a part of something. You know, there's not, you know, people want to be ingrained. They want to know that they're, they have a direct impact as to what's going on. Um, I, I, we've got a great team at Omni. That's really the reason why Omni's been successful right now because of this millennial team that we had together, where people came in from different, all different nationalities, literally, and we have our meeting. Everyone's from a different country, a different background, and that probably helps us too, because we have all these different perspectives. But people take ownership, people take pride, we brainstorm together, we bounce things off, and really the best idea comes through. And people are not afraid to admit that, um, that sometimes you have to work for someone else, and that's okay. And, and one other thing, in, in terms of the supermarket industry, I mean, we're about, we're going through a huge transition. I mean, the supermarket industry is, is, is old. There's a lot of people and a lot of jobs that have been in those positions for a long time. And there's not a huge pipeline of talent of people coming into those positions. And we're starting to see it now with some of our partners where there's like mass exoduses 
of people either retiring or moving on for whatever reason, and, and people don't know what to do. You had someone that was there for 20 years, and now you've got to go, you're getting a kid out of school that's brand new going into somebody's position. So, you know, the food industry is right. There's a lot of people that want to be in certain fields, but I'd say come into the food industry because there's a lot of opportunity. I'm, so I'm getting the sign, we're gonna have to wrap up. I wanna thank you, but I'd like to open it up now for some questions and answers from the audience. Let me start out kind of marrying a couple of the things that we've heard here in terms of millennials and really want transparency, they want accountability. How far are we away? I remember it's probably 20 years ago when Gigi's had a problem with food supply and that was the first time I remember they're ever taking it, be able to track back to the particular row and feel where that came from and thereby hopefully make sure that that doesn't happen again. But how far are we away from a millennial being able to pick up his phone or baby boomer being able to pick up his phone and being able to link into that blockchain and find out exactly precisely where that food came from and how it got to him? I'd say uh, Omni represents a fair amount of protein companies chicken, turkey, beef, pork, we're talking about thousands, if not millions of animals harvested daily. So there's a lot. So I'd say the protein industry is, is there. They can target. It's not as easy or it's not going to be as fast as some of the other segments. Again, I want to say thank you to our, our panelists, Stephanie, Eric, Zach. They would make a bad business decision not to give it out of the Nice to meet you too. We do most of our The majority of the lots are represented on our We do use UNFI as distributors, but that's one of many. There, there's several distributors. We don't choose who we use. It's the end user, the supermarket retailer. They're the one that tells us, hey, I want you to use CNF. Yes, we have the supermarkets tell us what distributors they want to use what product to get. So if you take the juice, come to us, we have an agreement together, we want to get the commission on whatever sales that we get, and sit down, we'll play the session, what are your goals, do you have the funding available, funding to promote your product, to do sampling, to scale, to lobbyists, Ready? Think about doing this. We do all these talks. We think about what accounts are the perfect target for your product. Right? There's 30 retailers here, but your juice may be a good fit in 12 of these. Not everyone. We want to take the time to find the right fit. We give you the strategy of what each of those retailers want. Then we'll go and we'll secure the meeting and we'll present those products to the buyers. Yeah. Sure. But I know your dad well. Oh, you told him? I texted him. No, I was texting him, hey, we said, <laughs> <laughs>